This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome to this Gallinac Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, delighted to be with you as always. And hello, Foggy. Kia from New Zealand again. We hope everyone is good out there. The, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, it's spring now. Uh, so the days are getting longer. The sun is coming out. Um, lots to be lots to be hopeful about. Vax, vaccinations are, certainly in the UK, the COVID vaccinations are rolling out at high speed i'm i'm 54 um and in in one of the priority last priority group and i'm expecting to get my call uh, for that uh, in the next week or two which will be fin- fantastic and i can awesome. see the uk is a bit, of, a bit ahead but yeah it's being rolled out in in all over the world now yeah we, we we've started here in new zealand obviously with the vulnerable vulnerable groups uh including the border the border uh, workers, um, obviously, um, they need it. Uh, the the health service people and the and the vulnerable communities. So, it's good news to see it. I don't think I'll be getting mine till nearer the end of the year, but that's fine. I'm I'm not in a vulnerable group at the moment, so that's good. And yeah. fingers crossed, they'll they'll get more vaccines in and, and speed it up. Yeah, I uh, think so. Well, yeah, definitely. But we, we, I mean, we're we're reasonably safe here anyway with the closed yeah. borders. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good, good, and the timing for me couldn't be better because I've I've been doing some hard training over the last few weeks, <laughs> and next week is my easy week. So hopefully it's going to time that I can get the vaccine in the easy week. So if I have any kind of side effects yeah. or whatever, then it was not going to you know get my priorities right. It's not going to affect my tra- my training. <laughs> um, so yeah, what 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 have you been up to, Foggy? Ah, oh, so interestingly, uh, oh, a little bit of riding. We we've done our usual gravel bike stuff over the last week or two. Um, I've picked up some uh, temporary uh, work with a local cycle tour company. Um, having having left my main job, it's it's a strange feeling going from a full-time sort of national job to, to working um, locally with a, a, a relatively small company, um, shuttling people around and, and bags around and stuff, but it's actually really good fun. So, and it's, it's no stress, you know, I don't have to think too hard and and just drive up and down the central otago rail trail dropping people off dropping their bags off talking bikes all day uh, which is uh which suits me at the moment so is that are those um kind of locals that are going out for bike rides or is it is it kind of tourism within new zealand that it caters for yeah so so what um since the borders have been closed obviously we've lost all international tourism which a lot of the companies uh were reliant on um but we've What's, what's actually occurred is because because Kiwis can't go overseas and because they can't spend the money overseas and, and they, you know what what's happened this year is it's uh, it's actually become the 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 biggest year for all of these companies that well uh, the ones I've seen locally here uh, so far just because of internal tourism 
you know, over the Kiwis are spending the money at home. I mean, Kiwis travel a lot, so they, they tend to go overseas to Australia or other places with the, you know, uh, it, you know, a lot of them each year. But now that money's being spent uh, internally, so the the tour companies are just, uh, you know, particularly the cycle tour companies are just flat out. Um, it's incredible, uh, honestly. I, I it's opened my eyes, and it's been. Um, it's a great learning curve because I'm seeing another side of the cycling industry, which which I had a, a taster of before as a customer and also seeing a little bit of it from the job that I used to do. But now actually working in that industry, in the tourism industry, it's incredible. It's, uh, it's just amazing. So tell, tell us a bit more about, about that then. So what, what, well, what's it like? You, because you kind of see these things advertised, don't you? And, and yeah. actually now you're on the inside of it. You've got that, you've got that perspective. Oh yeah. It, honestly, it's, it's, so in the little, in the region where I am in, which is sort of central Otago, there's something like seven companies. Uh, and bear in mind, our population is not big like the UK, right? So there's seven companies that, that, that um, um, uh, shuttle people around on the trails. They shuttle the bags around. They organize accommodation. Um, they, they basically look in after people on, while they're on holiday. So if you came as a customer, you, you'd ring the company up and say, look, I, I, I'd like to ride central otago rail trail which is 152 kilometers um because you're super fit you might want to do it in two days or you might even want to do it in a day but most people sort of do it in, in four days um and break it up um you might want to ride the uh you know the alps to ocean trail which is 300 and odd k's and you might do that over six days or whatever so the, the tour company then um launches into into you know um go mode and they they basically they sort out your accommodation down the trail they sort out the shuttles to get you to places they short they sort out the bags to be moved along the trail um the higher bikes if you want to hire a bike if you're not bringing your own all the equipment all those other bits and pieces and actually what's what's been a a huge eye-opener for me is that what we do in the background the customer doesn't see so they they arrive at their next destination and their bags have appeared magically um uh, or you know their accommodations being sorted and they turn up and they, they, the the host is there waiting for them and all this kind of stuff so it gives them a magical experience because all they've got to do is ride their bikes they're not they're not bike packing they're t- you know they're doing it quite luxuriously really um but in the background we're 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 like the um you know you see a duck sort of smooth smoothly going across the water we're the legs underneath going like crazy running around picking bags up we haven't since I've been doing this in the last two weeks, we haven't lost a bag yet. <laughs> I nearly lost one today, um, but that was down to a customer putting it in the wrong place. So I had to go around trying to find it. Never blame the customer, Foggy. Oh, no, the customer's always customer. right. So, of course, we didn't blame the customer. <laughs> so we just had to scrub around in the, in the, you know, I was in the middle of nowhere with very little signal on my phone. And this place called Waipiata, which is, uh, you know, is literally middle of nowhere, but it's one of these tiny, tiny little towns that's been brought back to life because of the, the trail, you know, the Central Otago Rail Trail. I mean, basically, there's a pub um, and, the, and some accommodation there. Um, it's stunning. I mean, honestly, the, 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 it's all farmland around it. It is stunning, but there's nothing there. So there's me with one bar on my phone trying to ring the base to find out where this bag is. You know. but, but, it, but that sort of... That to me is not stressful. That's just just trying to solve a problem. You know, it's quite good fun. Um, and then you pick people up at the other end of the trail and bring them, you know, back via a two-hour drive back. And you, all you're doing all day is chatting. Well, I say all day, but you're chatting to people 
about their holiday on bikes. Um, uh, you know, they're there because they want to be there. They're not. They're not there because they've been forced to do it. They're there because they want to be there. So you get some interesting characters and stories, which is quite good. Yeah, that I'll sounds. Tell, that sounds fantastic. Oh, it is good fun. I tell you. I tell you. The, it's interesting. The because we're outside of the school holidays at the moment. The majority of the people that are our customers are are at least our age or older. Um, you know, the, the 50, 60, 70, 80 pluses that, that have got the free time, that have got the disposable income to, to come down and do this sort of stuff. Um, and increasingly, increasingly, increasingly are on e-bikes. Um, our, our, our little business, so the little business I'm working for, um, the day before yesterday put 49 e-bikes out on top of all the con- the conventional bikes that go as well, but 49 e-bikes out went out in one day, uh, hired, you know, rental rental bikes. Yeah, it's, so. it's not a surprise, really, when you, when you think about it. And the benefits of that are just fantastic because it's opening up that experience to kind of a new bunch of people that wouldn't have necessarily been fit enough or able enough to do it before, and also to people that are, getting older or whatever or, or got right. illnesses yeah. or you yeah. know struggling to do it it just keeps them on keeps them on the bike so fantastic oh, just, I, just it, fantastic it is fantastic i picked a lady up the other day who'd she'd aborted mission on this one particular day because she her arthritis had kicked in so she decided to have a day off but we then had to go and collect her from the from where she was staying and take her somewhere else and, and that sort of stuff. But she was just going to have a day off the bike and then go back onto it the following day. So that's the kind of thing that, that makes it pleasurable for them. They're not forced to have to ride hundreds of kilometers each day or whatever. They just do it at their leisure. Um, yeah. So these are the, you know, the genuine, um, I don't call, I mean, a lot of them are not cyclists per se. They're people on bikes. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're not hardcore cyclists, a lot of them. So, a lot of them are riding, you know, step through e-bikes with gel seats on and stuff like that for comfort. And so it's not the sort of thing that you and I do, but, but you know, it, horses for courses, you know. And yeah. we, know, we know the benefits of cycling for your, your physical health oh, and for definitely. your mental health and, yeah. and, and you know, any, any way that you can get more people out on bikes and especially in a, such a beautiful part of the world as, as, yeah. as you're in, it's, it's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Oh, it's incredible. I, I, you know, it's, I, I'd say I had an insight before I started this, but now to be in part of it and, uh, and see, you know, how these operations work. I mean, I'm glad I'm not doing the logistics. The people that, that do the logistics part, it's, you know, I just get a sheet of paper with all the numbers on I've got to follow and where I've got to go and, you know, easy peasy. But putting those itineraries together is, you know, not, they're not just putting one or two itineraries together each day. They're putting dozens of them together each day. You know? yeah. Anyway, all good fun. Yeah. All good. Oh, sounds, sounds fantastic. Well, glad you're in, glad you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. And as you say, you know, just, just great to be outdoors, see, be seeing the scenery and talking bikes all day. It sounds, um, sounds yeah. great. And yeah, as I've said a get few times before. Get some money for doing it as well. <laughs> okay, I get some money for doing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm heading out to New Zealand as soon as I can. Get out the here, more mate. you talk about it, the more um, the more the more you're convincing me. We'll, we'll look so, after you. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. So yeah, I've been. Um, yeah, we're still kind of still a bit, little bit in lockdown here. The schools are opening up here in the UK. My son's back to school today, in fact. Good so news. he was like, he's one of his kids was was really excited to be back at school and seeing his friends. So. Yeah, and, and as I was saying at the beginning, spring is here, so everything's feeling good. We've got Br- British Cycling 
just announced yes, yesterday, the day before yesterday, gave us a kind of indication of their roadmap of um, you know getting groups of cyclists together and events starting and racing starting. So Excellent. yeah, feeling really feeling really good. So that's all that that's all great and a real incentive to up the training as well mm. um, and get fit for that. But yeah, on on that theme of um, more people on their bikes, foggy. I had a I had a look at some stats of the increase in cycling and this is particularly in the uk and ireland but i think reflects what's been happening all over the world um yeah. so the increase in cycling in 2020 and it's from strava so strava a couple of months ago released their the data from 2020 and they found uh, that the for cycling that the number of uploads onto strava in 2020 had doubled over 2019 wow. and in march and april um, on just on outdoor rides, there was an eighty-two percent increase <laughs> um, uh, in 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 cycling, and most of it, not a, a good proportion of it, was women. So, yeah, the men were cycling um, a bit more, or more men cycling, but really, it was women that were um, that had uh, contributed most to it, and. In total, in, in 2020, in UK and Ireland, 1.5 billion kilometres of riding on bikes. It's <laughs> incredible, isn't it? It is. But I, yeah, I'm, I, I think that that point about more the, the, that big rise, especially in March and April, was driven mainly by women. Just demonstrates that when you provide, because obviously around here, the, the there was barely any traffic on the on the road, so it was much. And there weren't many people about either, so it's it's much much safer to go out on yeah. the roads on, on a bike. And clearly, yeah. that just demonstrates that if you if you provide the safe experience and the safe infrastructure, then then people get out, and particularly particularly women and older people will get out there and ride their bikes. No, totally, and it's um, it's a common theme I think across the world because you you. You know, you, the, the the comment that you see frequently, not just on social media, but just you know, speaking to people, is that they don't feel safe on the roads. Um, yeah. um, you know, New Zealand's relatively car-free in, in in a lot of places. Obviously, the cities are full of cars and vehicles, but people don't feel safe. Um, and is you, you you build if you build separated infrastructure, it, it does get used. I mean, there's there's in the advocacy world, we know. Um, uh, cycle advocates push hard for completely separated cycle lanes through cities. Um, but you look in the countryside areas, you put the you put the cycle lanes in, people will use them. Uh, you know, I mean, cycleways rather than cycle lanes, but cycleways, um, people definitely use them. Build it and they'll come, I think is the phrase, yeah, isn't that's, it? Yeah. That's it, build it and they'll come. I, yeah, I, absolutely. And we've talked about this before in the, in the podcast, when you go to some of the... Uh, the European countries that I've been that I've been to, but, you know, particularly Belgium and the Netherlands, yeah. but also Den- I've not been to Denmark, but also Denmark, um, France to some extent, Spain, but the the way that they design their roads, and um, and also that they they you know, so they design the roads so it's separated. They've got plenty of space for bikes, either completely separated or loads of space, um, or or they have completely separate trails and, and right. yeah. pathways for for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the UK is. A long way behind that, but then in New Zealand, where you are, you've got a, a different experience because you've got so much more open space and these trails that are getting built as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. But you still. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously there is that fantastic trail network that's being built, mm. but. You you go into Auckland, you go into Wellington, you go into Hamilton, you go into any you know Christchurch. They're still re- relatively they're not they're not massive cities. Yeah. I mean, Auckland's one and a half million people, so that's a relatively big city. Um, I think Christchurch is what well, was around about three hundred thousand before the earthquakes. But so they're they're not they're not massive cities, but they're still big enough to have a lot of cars and a lot of infrastructure problems. Um, Christchurch have. Uh, really tried hard since the uh, since the earthquakes in terms of their rebuild to make it more cycling friendly. And I've actually ridden there recently um, to to see oh, over the last few years I've been riding there, but again recently to see new infrastructure going in all the time to try and keep cyclists separated, um, which, which is good news. I mean they make mistakes often councils, but that is what it is. They're yeah. trying. Yep. Mm. Yep. And the, 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 yeah. It's not, it's not uniform. It's not everywhere, but there's some good examples yeah. on there. There's some good links. There are some out good there ones. That, yeah, um, very much yeah, so. Yeah, to, to follow. Okay, let's um, let's talk about one of our friends in Gallinac Master Cycling, Mark Bartley, who in January of this year decided to do his own version of the Lands End to John O'Groats ride. Mm. He he'd originally planned to do it in April last year, and obviously that that got um, that got stopped and. He decided he was going to go out and ride the equivalent miles in January and do it by riding every single day in January, which, of course, in the UK is cold. deepest, <laughs> darkest winter. Um, so not, you know, not not great weather to say, to say the least. And if you if you want to, you can see it on a rider's page on the Gallinac Master Cycling website. We've got we've got a feature yeah. on it there. So go and have a look at that. You can see some of the pictures of the the variable weather conditions that he had mm. to. He had to cycling, cycling. So he did. He did in total one thousand one hundred ninety miles and sixty two thousand feet of climbing, which in kilometers and meters is just a shade under two thousand kilometers, and and it's about nineteen thousand meters, thirty nine miles a day, which is yeah about sixty kilometers a mm-hmm. um, a day. And he did. He did it. He he did it because he couldn't do the 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 real thing. Although he's going to do the real thing this year when he can, but he, do, he also did it by raising money for Parkinson's for one of the Parkinson's yeah, disease brilliant. charities, and one of his one of his good friends has been diagnosed with Parkinson's, mm-hmm. um, so he did it for he did it for Parkinson's generally, but also did it for his friends. So yeah, it was really inspiring all round. Totally. Um, I mean, there's just going uh, talking about the Parkinson's thing. I think it's been well proven, hasn't it, in terms of. Uh, helping people with Parkinson's so that cycling can help in terms of, you know, uh, reducing or stopping tremors when they're, um, while they're riding. Uh, yeah, I've got a, a little bit of an insight into that ride. I've never done it, but my brother-in-law, Dave Cutts, has done it. Um, and he did it as a charity thing, but also did it um, with a support crew. So I think my dad and a couple of his mates actually helped out as the um uh, the supporters to take him all the way through uh, the ride. So he's done it as a solo rider. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've kind of got an insight into what that is. Um, but that's incredible just to do it on your own uh, in, you know, in winter. Um, and Derbyshire, is it? So, yeah, it's all around Derbyshire. Yeah. That's pretty cold there. And I would imagine, you yeah. know, uh, winter time, isn't it? And pretty, uh, pretty wet, I would imagine. Yeah, and some of the photos is uh, there's quite a lot of snow about. So, yeah, I did, I did, I I spoke to him about it um, a couple of weeks ago, 
just to find out what it what it was like. And and yeah, I think he he struggled some days just because the weather was just so miserable to get yeah. out. But he all you know he always found the motivation to do it. I think do it's it. one of these things that when you make the make the commitment to do it, there's no you know unless you have a crash and you're injured or whatever, there's really no way out of it, is there? You've just got to keep um keep doing it. Yeah, but it's such a great target. I mean, that, that's that's yeah. the motivation, isn't it? He, he he's he set himself a target. He's got a really good, um, you know, reason to do it in terms of the charity. Um, uh, you know, so to get up in the morning and think, right, well, I've got to do this. It's actually, that's the motivational thing, isn't it? It's, 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 it's putting it in that context is real good motivation to get on with it and get it finished. Um, yeah. and I'm sure, you know, most humans can do that, but it's just, it's, uh, I think humans in general are lazy. And they'll resort back to the laziness if they can, because that's what that's what humans are you know designed like you know find the easiest path to do something. But once you know if there is a you know a certain amount of humans that will get overcome that and go ding right we're going to do this this is our motivation this is what we're going to do and they do it you know which is really cool it's good to see. Yeah, it is, and you don't you know it's you can be inspired by the people that have done the they're just incredible feats. I mean, I, I think in the last couple of podcasts, I remember the last podcast we, we talked about some of the documentaries that are on the new GCN Plus channel and, and Mark Bowman's ride around the world in 80 days. Yes. And a, the, the, yeah. the, in the last week or so, they've released a couple of films about his ride through Africa. So he rides from Cairo to Cape Town and he does it in record, I can't remember what the number of days, but yeah, record-breaking uh number of days to travel that distance and that's some right. huge distances yeah. in a in a day that he's doing and entirely that's he was doing it entirely unsupported yeah. uh, as as well so you can be inspired by that and if, you know when he was doing the round the world in um in actually 70 and a half days not 80 days he was averaging 240 miles that's right <laughs> um yeah per day what's that Plus, must oh, be around case. yeah 400 that's, that's, probably yeah um well you say 100 uh, let's see. So 160k is 100 miles. So, yeah. Yeah. But that you know, he's he's the 0.0 or 0.1 percent, yeah. isn't he? You know, he's a very special makeup of a person. Not just physically, you know, mentally, he's got to be incredible. I mean, he's a. He's a. He's clearly a great athlete. Yeah, absolutely. As well, no, no, no doubt about that. But his mental strength to dig deep and keep going when it must be, you know, the, the, it must be in just misery physically oh, yeah. um, and mentally, but he just, he's just one of these people that, that digs in. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I um, one of my, one of my friends um, it, well, was, was a really good runner. He ran like 1500 track runner, ran for Great Britain, ran in the world cross country championships, you know, so he's a, he's a classy, yeah, runner run. and he always I mean obviously is very talented but he always said that the, the difference is is not so much in your physical ability it's in your ability to really dig in and when yeah. Yeah. You know, things are going against you when you're really suffering that you just find a way of keeping going and mm-hmm. it's also interesting watching Matthew Vanderpool um in the if you don't if you're listening you don't know is this uh, professional cycling sensation yeah. <laughs> at the at the at the moment I kinda, I, I, it's it's almost like one of those Marvel superheroes because he's physically <laughs> is just an incredible <laughs> specimen isn't he and he's kind of good he looking is. and 
um, he just he looks he looks like some gladiator, doesn't he? Some uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, d- has yeah, he, he, I just had to ask you a question, Norman. Has he replaced Danny now as your favourite? No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> Danny has always been my favourite. <laughs> but, um, but he's you know he's he's not far. He's he's not far yeah. off Danny. But I suppose it's a different thing. Um, he's yeah, better you looking. Put Danny McCaskill. He's better looking. You wouldn't put Danny McCaskill into the Marvel superhero kind of like physique <laughs> category, but but then he can no. do he can do tricks that um, that his Marvel superheroes. Yeah, that's yeah. his superpower. Um, but yeah, he did. He, so if you, anyone had been watching the Strade Bianca, which is the the cycling race in in Tuscany in Italy, where they do kind of they ride quite a few of the gravel sections yeah. that are white, hence the name of the race. Um, and he did. He won that. Won it with ease, actually. Just beating the best riders in the world, Julian Alaphilippe. And I, he was riding really, really hard, but managed to put in these two big bursts of effort to one to kind of make a break towards the end of the race and one to win it at the end. And I'm sure that was it. I'm sure he yeah. was just willing and able. You know, yeah, yeah. He's you know he's a superb athlete, but so the other guys around him. He just put himself through that bit more pain to win the race than the others were prepared yep. to do yeah absolutely I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, sure yeah. that's the sure that's the case but um but yeah i have to say i've been a bit inspired i mean inspired by mark bartley but inspired by mark bowman as yeah. well about i think this year i'm going to test out my long distance ability one, one of the things that mark bowman says is go and try go and try don't try and do 240 miles in a day so i'm going to yep. try and do that this year um and I'm now, now that I've made that public commitment, I can't get out of it. So I'm now regretting it immediately because I've been, it's just been a thought in my head, but now it's out there. The, the other thing, the other thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to start doing this year because I'll be 55 um, in October is I'm going to try and ride double my age in miles in a day Cool. and see how many years I can keep that going. Right. So if I get, if I get to 80, that means I'm going to have to do 160 miles. Now, is this every day till the end of your life or just, is this just no, once no, a year? No, just, just <laughs> once a year. Like, yeah, yeah, just once a year. Yeah. So I, I, I said this to, to my, to Catherine, my wife, and, and she said, oh, oh yeah, that sounds good. But um, what if, you know, cause that's the end of October, it's October the 28th, so end of October here. So yeah, the weather could be pretty rubbish. So that then thought, ah, but then, you know, we could go somewhere really nice to do it. So there's, there's a kind of double incentive. Yep. So we'll, we'll, we're going to plan that. Um, so yeah, I'm awesome. setting myself that um, that that challenge, double challenge this year, I think, of to try and do 240 miles in one day and also do that double my age on my, double age in miles on my birthday, which takes us on ni- nicely, Foggy, to what, what so far in our cycling lives has been our biggest, most difficult um, cycle ride. So you mm. go first. Yeah, so that that's relatively easy for me to um, uh, to answer because uh, I the, the longest one I've done is here in New Zealand. And bear in mind, I came from back in the eighties as a mountain biker. You know, um, um, I only really got into road riding. I've, I've ridden road bikes for most of my life, on and off, but I only really got into road riding um, a few years ago when we when we were living. Um, in Cambridge in New Zealand, which is where the National Cycling Centre is. And, you know, I organised group rides and, and a bunch of rides and stuff like that and got into it quite, you know, in quite a big way. Not 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 in a um, uh, sort of sporting context, more of a social bunch ride type riding. And it was a, there's a classic ride here around uh, around Lake Taupo, um, which is it's run pretty much every year, apart from when COVID hits. Um, at, at its peak, um, it had... 
something like 12,000 entrants. Um, it had been sliding over the years. And I think the year we did it, there was about 8,000 entrants. Um, and that, that ride, it circumnavigates the whole of Lake Taupo um, and it's 160 kilometers. Um, and I'd never, I'd never ridden that distance before. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done maybe 80 kilometers, you know, something like that. Um, or, and then to, to train for that, we sort of, um, we, we aim for the hundred kilometer mark to start with. So we started riding, a, um, um, you know, longer rides each week and then built up to doing a couple of hundred K rides, uh, in training with the group. And because there was a number of them in this group that were going to ride the, the, you know, the, the event as well. And then we built up, and I think the, the longest training ride I'd, I'd done was 130 kilometers um, uh, in the build-up. And in my mind, as a coach, I'm thinking, that's enough, right? I've got, I can easily smash out the last 30 kilometers of this ride um, when we come to do it. So my wife and I did it together, and we were warned about this, is to just to stick to your own plan and stay away from the crazy lunatics that don't know how to ride in bunches because you're talking about 8,000 people on the roads around Taupo uh, up and down some actually quite big uh, climbs and some pretty fast descents as well, um, being cut up and, you know, uh, you know people just not, not understanding how to ride in, in that sort of situation. So you've got crazies all over the place. So we did, we stuck to our plan and we got, and uh, we, you know, we're taking water on and, doing the right sort of nutritional stuff as we were going. And around about a hundred and, uh, I think we had about 20 kilometers to go. I started cramping up really bad. Um, and I thought I'd been taking enough fluid on and enough uh, nutrition and stuff like that. But I started to get real bad uh, cramps in my, I think it started in my right quad. And I started to ride a bit strange to get that off. And then it, it started in the left quad. So I, and I, I'd literally been in, on the front with Felicia for 140k. So for the last 20k, she went on the front to drag me around because I was just gone. I was knackered. And there's a couple of climbs at the end of it. To, where there's one real, real big climb at the end, and then it sort of flattens out and you ride down into into the town of Taupo. So great achievement. Loved it. It was a great event. Really, really good event. Um, but uh, you know, I learned from that. Hadn't done enough training. Couldn't walk the next day properly. You know, I was struggling with 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 just uh, you know because obviously that excess on, on top of what we had done in training. So yeah, but that that's probably the longest one I've done in one day. I mean, in one event. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. So you got there in spite of the. Oh, no, we did. Cramp. Yeah, un- yeah, annoyingly, we we'd set a target um, because it was our first one at that distance, and we were never going to smash this out and get supersonic times. But I, I, I thought we'd get somewhere around about um, five and a half hours. Um, and I wanted to break the six-hour mark because uh, it, it's not a flat ride. It's pretty hilly. And I thought, well, we, if we get it under the six, I'll be happy. You know, bear in mind the elite riders are smashing it out in, I don't know, half that time. Um, but uh, we, we ended up six minutes over and we blamed it on one toilet stop. <laughs> so... There we go. Yeah, a few seconds here and there, isn't it? On a, over that length of uh, ride, you can yeah, lose, not, not so bad for a fellow yeah. at the side of the road. But when when Lisa's got all her gear on and you know bib shorts and all the rest of it to try and sort it out, it uh, takes a bit longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe um, toilet stops could be 
the best our our favourite toilet stops could be a, another podcast episode. <laughs> another podcast, not. another one. Yeah, yeah another podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's bringing back memories that I can't possibly share um, on <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, well, my, they're fantastic. So my, mine is in Tenerife, one of the oh, yeah. um, Spanish islands of um, of the West African. Canary um, coast uh, Canaries, yeah, and I actually it was with the guy, my friend that I was talking about earlier, who, used to, who was a very good runner, who's also does does a lot of cycling now. So we went over, uh, flew over there, stayed up on the hotel at the top of the mountain there, the mount the hotel on Mount Tade, Tide, can't remember how to pronounce it now, Tade, which is this kind of huge, high extinct volcano. Um, Maybe dormant, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. But anyway, at least mm. it wasn't bubbling away <laughs> at the at the at the top there. Um so yeah, it's about two two thousand two hundred meters at the top, so it's definitely wow. at altitude. Yeah. Um there. And it's where a lot of the professional cyclists go and train. So yep. when we were there, um the Alberto Contador was there with his team, the Tinkoff team. And actually, if you're if you know about professional cycling, you'll have probably heard about Oleg Tinkoff and he he yeah. bankrolled some professional teams. Um, bit of a character to say the least, um, and he was there. He was there as well. So on the this this is a kind of often a tangent, but on the last day that I was there, um, I I managed to find a Team Sky um, T-shirt. So I put on this Team Sky T-shirt and went down to breakfast because they were all they were actually in a room off the main room where we were having breakfast. But they yeah. kind of came walked past us. All like, all like Tinkoff saw me saw me with this Team Sky. Um, t-shirt and just unleash this like stream of abuse i mean in in humor i have to say it wasn't threatening but it was it was unrepeatable um and uh yeah and then picked on me for the rest of the breakfast every time he kind of came past you know he would just say something inappropriate so it was very very enter very entertaining but anyway so the yeah my biggest ride um was um was a big day out uh from the top of mount, mount tide and we cycled we cycled down, it's a bit of a climb from the hotel. We cycled um, uh, kind of up to the very highest point, and then it's a long, long descent down to the north coast of Tenerife. And then we did a we didn't do a whole lap of the island, we kind of lapped round a bit, um, and then came back up towards the the summit. And the last climb um, up to the summit was I've, I've written it down here just to remind myself it was um, 29 kilometres of climbing right. with um, 1500 um, metres of, of climbing that's quite steep um, in that, and so it wasn't so it wasn't hugely steep um, but it was just relentless you know yeah. it was just up 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 you know yeah. for 29, 29 kilometres um, but fab, you just as a, and it was hard work I have to say you know that kind of mentally <laughs> Um, yeah, not my strength in these long these long rides like that. Um, but I kept going and got got there. But there's just something about that. The higher you get, you kind of your perspective mm. changes as well. Because there's always a, there's always a view, and you're just getting things are getting more and more further away from you and distant. It's kind of it's a strange and because you're cycling slowly uphill, it all happens at a slow pace. So it's kind of yep. and and the air's getting thinner, and it's just a yeah, it's a kind of weird weird experience. Um, doing it so yeah that ride was it was just a shade under 100 miles 155 kilometers yeah. so, so be, well that's yeah. that 97 97 miles 5620 meters of climbing in total which is um yeah getting on for 18,000 feet of yeah. um of climbing so that, yeah that 
that was a big day out on the on the bike. But yeah, great, really, really great experience. And the thing I think you know from what you were saying about getting the training right. I mean, I was pretty fit, so from a distance point of view, and like the hard, you know, how hard the ride was, mm. I kind of was able to cope with it. But what what really set me up well was just eating, e- eating and drinking constantly. Mm. So we were. Um, you know, we stopped a couple of times to eat, and when we weren't stopped, we were, you know, just eating and eating. Because yep. I think, yep. especially towards the end of a big ride like that, you, 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 if you're not eating, you'll just run. You know, you'll have you'll have nothing very quickly. So I think yep. that's my, you know, that that's that's my takeaway from it, which I now do all the time in my long rides. Is and it's just it make it, you, it does make you feel like you can keep going on forever if you just keep keep eating. <laughs> Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you only get out what you put in, you know, and there's a there's a point where you run out of fuel. And it doesn't matter what level of rider you're at, whether you're a social rider that's just doing your first time that you've done 30Ks or you're an elite rider that's smashing out 250-kilometer um, stages or whatever, you've got to have the right fuel, you know, because your body can't work without it. It's, it's simple, you know, it's simple um, biology, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's a yeah. I'd love. I've, I kind of promised myself that I would go back, and I've not been back there um, since. But yeah, I think I have. I have made this kind of vow that post COVID and when the world opens up, I'm going to do far more of that than I did be, did before of getting around the world and going going out on these great great bike rides. But what um, over to Coach Foggy now? What if you've got anyone listening that's preparing? for some big adventure on the bike a big long ride what what advice would you give them now you know when you're, when you're maybe a little bit of time away from it um I, build up steadily i think is um making sure that you don't go and overdo and injure yourself before uh, you know have a some kind of a problem before you get to it so just build up but i think i think a key thing is there's there's, there's the old school way of thinking about coaching that you've got to smash out lots and lots and lots and lots of miles actually that's there's some yeah, some of that's correct, but some isn't. Um, the quality of how you, of your training is more important than smashing out, you know, tons of miles. If you're going to do a long event like 160 k's, 100 miles, um, then yes, you've got to put some mileage in, and you you don't have to be training uh, week in week out on those distances. You certainly need to be looking at, um, you know, on the approach up to an event like that, making sure you've done. Uh, done near to the distance or the distance on a couple of occasions at least. But but the, the other part of that is making sure the rest of your training is quality. And it doesn't have to be long miles. It needs, you, you're talking about um, making sure you put some hill efforts in, making sure you've... Um, uh, you know, you've 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 done other work on the bike, so spinning the legs a bit faster, doing a little, you know, change, messing around with the gears a bit more. Um, have a look at the course that you're going to ride. So, if you know that you're going to go and ride Lake Taupo, for example, we know that's a very hilly course. Um, make sure you put the work in on on those types of climbs. So, if it, if you know that one section is a is a five minute hill climb, or as you said, a 29 kilometer hill climb, make sure you've done the preparation for that in terms of uh, you know. Um, you know, um, short-term and long-term muscular endurance, depending on what uh, what the event entails. And what I generally do with people is I get them to uh, to, to I'll put it on a chart to show them uh, the course details. So what, what what is the geography of the course? What's the terrain? You know, uh, how steep are some of the hills? Is there any loose stuff? Is it all tar seal? What is it? It's, you know, and then just look at that and then start breaking down each section. 
So do you know that you've got a rolling, uh, a fast rolling start because it's slightly downhill or are you starting uphill, you know, got to get your warm-up right, all that kind of stuff. So it goes on forever. I mean, but I'd say build up slowly, make sure you've done at least that distance or near to that distance a couple of times and look at the quality of your training prior to that as well. Yeah, good advice, Foggy. In fact, it's reminding me, we did a podcast about how to prepare for a big ride. Uh, it's probably around podcast five or six or so. I need to look, look, look yeah. that up and ref, reference that in the notes of the... the um, the podcast but yeah that i i think that thing about knowing what you're getting yourself into and don't so don't get any don't have any surprises <laughs> you know if you're on, if you're going out for a for a you know a big event or a big long ride so i think in terms of surprises don't change your nutrition as well so make sure you practiced what you you know early on in the piece so we see mistakes made where people suddenly change something very close to an event um which then upsets the whole your whole metabolism or set upsets the whole um, uh, training regime and stuff like that. So make sure it's consistent and that you've, you've well before an event have sussed out what your nutrition needs to be and what works for you because not everything works for everybody, you know? So anyway. Yeah. Thing, things you don't want to hear somebody say at the start of a hundred mile ride uh, are things like, Oh, I'm trying out my new saddle today. <laughs> um, uh, ouch. Or a, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you really think that's a wise thing to do? Yeah. Might be, <laughs> might be your response yeah. to that. But yeah the, yeah, the the other thing is just kind of going back to the psychology of these long efforts as well is 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 to break it down and don't don't be. Yeah. Although it's great to have the motivation of the end point and reaching that, and that's what you're that's what you're focused on. When you're actually out there, you know, break it down, break it down into. You know, chunks like I've got like there's this section here which is going to end in this climb. That's all I'm going to think about. I'm just going to get to exactly. that climb yeah. and just go up steadily up that climb and up the top. Brilliant! Yeah. I've got that far. Then I'm thinking to the next yeah. kind of stage and just break it down into a number of chunks. And then psychologically, you can it's it's easier to manage than than thinking about the whole thing all the time. Uh, absolutely, uh, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of the chart. And, and, and yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Layout for somebody is just to, to break it into chunks. You know, you think think about the process, not what the actual end is. So you know, the end will come eventually. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you, Foggy, for some advice for this 240 mile oh, yeah. ride. You'll that be I'm all, do. all right, mate. You'll smash yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to think about where I'm going to do it and how I'm going to do it. I kind of I, I think. I, I think a point to point would be the yes. best way to do it rather than rather than trying to create some mega you know loop from to and from home so yeah, yeah it could go i mean to from where i am just now 240 miles will take me to manchester for example you know it's oh, that yeah. it's that sort yeah. of distance in there oh, that's, that's in the uk way. so yeah. maybe i should think about something like that um okay I'll do it the other way around because it's downhill so go manchester to- <laughs> <laughs> the problem the, yeah the I mean, the ideal way to do it is kind of southwest to northeast. But with me, that just that just means that there'd be a horrible northeasterly wind rather than the usual <laughs> prevailing southwesterly that we get here. So, I'd, yeah. whatever way you try to do it, you know, there'll be something. Um, Mother Nature will find a way of throwing a few challenges back at you, won't she? Yeah. Um, okay, fantastic, Foggy. Right. Um, great to speak to you as always. What? So, what? What are you? Um, just as we kind of close up now, what? What are you planning for the next few days? Yeah, so I've got uh, um, up and down with tourists again tomorrow, which will be quite cool. I've got a, actually a really long day tomorrow. We've got uh, 
dozens and dozens of bags to take up and down, but that's cool. Uh, Saturday, I'm uh, helping with um, a local uh, mountain bike event here called the Prospector, which is uh, run by one of our um, A-grade riders. Who's they're a lovely family. Um, they're they're in their coaches. Uh, the father's a coach. The son's a coach. And the daughter's a coach. There, but they're, lo- they're just a lovely family. And, and James has set this um, this mountain bike event up. It's a really gnarly uh, staged. Uh, you know, stage mountain bike race. So I'm going to help him on Saturday with that. Just to, I'm not riding. I'm going to be counting numbers or doing something um, uh, for him on that one. And then Sunday we'll get out and ride on a gravel bike somewhere. And then back to tourism on Monday. <laughs> great, great stuff. And I think that's, you know, it's good that you're putting something, I mean, you, you, it's been your job, isn't it? But this is volunteering to... Oh yeah, I mean you've got to volunteer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, uh, to be honest, a lot of a lot of sport in New Zealand is based on volunteerism. Um, yeah. You know, and and that's otherwise it doesn't work. So, and I, you know, I like giving back. I mean, this you know, cycling's given me a lot, so giving back's a good thing to do. Yeah, it's good fun. I do as well as taking part in these um, various events and races. I always volunteer at a few, and it's just good fun. It's good just watching it. As well. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, yeah. being part of it from that side as well. Um, okay, f- fabulous. You know, I'll be get, I'll be getting out on my bike over the weekend over the next few days so looking forward to that Um, so thank you Foggy thank you everyone for listening and see you in the next podcast Mm -hmm.